podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. I and Mike back in the house as we look back at another whirlwind NFL Sunday. Extraordinary stuff flying around, not least those Detroit Lions. Go Lions. That was a beautiful thing to behold. What about the Steelers upsetting the odds? The Rams back in business. The Cardinals flexing once again. The Chiefs getting it done the ugly way on Sunday Night Football. All of that and more coming your way now with a brilliant Iron Mike. Iron Mike back in the, st- not really a studio, is it, Mike, when we're recording remotely? I just get back in the saddle, I guess, is where we'll go. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my home studio is very professional looking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it, it is. It certainly is the acme of technology. Well, sometimes and- we get some really good things hanging up in the background. And I'm not dissing what's hanging up in the background today, but well- it... Right now, there's actually a, a painting by the great-granddaughter of Camille Pizarro mm. and um, a shot of me playing football in college. Oh, yes. Your head was blocking and, that. Okay, I love that shot. And um, my Quebec Nordiques Jean Beliveau 1951 <laughs> jersey. So actually, not bad. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good three. It's not a bad mix. It, uh, as you, go. you know, this is multicultural. Yesterday, I did waste a lot of my life live tweeting along with Red Zone. Yes. What was um, the over-under on Mike's tweets on Sunday? It was pretty 117. high. Um, it was high, I thought. Yeah, but my thought. favorite, my favorite was waiting, um, was was waiting for the moment when um, Miami's Jason McCourty encountered the Giants' Mike Glennon, and we could have Glennon and McCourtney. <laughs> and I had a, a whole list of songs. <laughs> I wondered why you were pushing those Glennon, Glennon and McCourtney um, songs, uh, but it didn't happen. Next uh, time, sa- Next sadly, time. and um, not so a huge amount did happen in that game. Quite no, right. well, what we need is for Mike Glennon to get an apartment in the Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> explain that to me oh john lennon lived in the dakota and he oh, was he was oh the dakota. Out, which is one of the kind of you know landmarky buildings in new york even before that happened but he was the walking dakota, out to dakota when john hinckley um well yeah i gotcha i thought you meant dakota and i was trying to piece that together which is far too complicated for, for my uh, level for a monday morning good to see you on mike let's start with the only place we can start detroit and i guess this one is, are you a glass half full, glass half empty? Boris Spassky. I as told a Detroit you, this Boris Spassky has best. Mike, the, the positives. Mike, Mike's playing Mike's playing six six dimensional chess and all the other NFL coaches are playing. Are playing Dan you know, Campbell is playing six dimensional chess and, and yeah, everyone Dan else. Campbell. Um, I was thinking a glass half full, Detroit get their first win of the season and what a way to win it. Glass half empty. They're now mathematically out of the playoff picture. So (laughs) just, I know you were hoping. That's what winning does for you in the NFL. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It was really interesting because when he went for it on fourth down, I actually, I literally tweeted, you know, um, Dan, Dan Campbell is, is going to let them score to give them enough time to, to win the game. I love that. I, not the call, not the play call, but I loved him going for that. We were in the studio and everyone else was calling me an idiot as usual, but I loved the fact he went for it on fourth down. It was the play call that was just staggeringly it, bad. There were, a lot, there were a lot of those. Someone ought to talk to Mike Zimmer about two, two point conversions and, and, um, you know, right. um, and Jacksonville about fourth and short and Denver about fourth and short. <laughs> you know, there were there were a bunch of those all weekend. But yeah, I mean, it's great for Detroit, obviously. But I think it really says more about um, the Vikings, especially mm. after they lost Adam Thielen. And, and, mm. and, you know, Justin Jefferson had a tremendous game, really, um, really a hell of a game. But you can see Kirk Cousins can't carry a team, not, you know, and I argue all the time that no one really carries a team, but some quarterbacks lift a team, if not carry it. And um, Cousins, he, he, little things, on plays just make them not work the way they should work. And he intersperses that with really good play, which is why, you know, which is why his stat line is good, which is why he's still there and, and making, making money. But there was one play that stood out to me where he had a simple swing pass to throw and he sort of had to reset himself and he came up and up and came over and the ball was bat, you know, thrown. So the, the back had to stop to catch it and, and mm. a pa- screen pass, which looked like it would go for yardage didn't. 
Um, and, and it's that sort of thing, you know. So and, what is that, do you think, that's causing that, Mike? I mean, is it is it just fundamental mechanics, flaws in his mechanics? Is it I think it's just makeup a, more than yeah. anything, and I hate to psychoanalyze, but, yeah. you know, it, 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 the simple way to put it would be he tries too hard. Um, he's Maybe he's got too much to prove. Maybe his, like, total natural ability isn't that great or, or his processing isn't quite that fast. And, and, and you see, and I did his games in college and thought, you know, pretty much the same thing. Um, and, but uh, <laughs> I did Brian Kelly <laughs> a lot in college when, when he had to show him Kaiser and guys like that. And I've never seen a coach who threw his quarterback under the, under the bus more often than, than Brian Kelly. Kelly. I mean, he would just run out on the field and start screaming. At him. <laughs> and, and now he's got, now he's coaching at LSU and putting on a fake Cajun accent when he, when he talks. To oh, is he doing, up. is he dropping like uh, Tony Blair used to do that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, they exactly. Parents, yeah, it's exactly but, the same level of sincerity. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, right. I wrote my Patreon column. It was mostly about the college football coaches deserting their teams, which is yes. at least is something that doesn't happen in the NFL during the season. You know, they desert you. But but um, but the other thing with Zimmer is on the last play of the game, mm. and they only rushed three. And and I forget who was announcing the game, but they said, "I don't like that." You know, and and I agreed it, it, intensely because what's Jared Goff's weakness? His weakness is the rush. Under pressure, sure. Right. Jared Goff can thread a needle on a pass, you know, in, into double coverage if he has mm. to. You know, he's got a great arm. And when he sees it, he can make the throw. The idea is not to let him see it. So I was really surprised that a guy like Zimmer, who basically is a rush first defensive guy, mm. would let Goff have a free shot at, at the end zone. I also noticed that the announcers didn't know who'd caught the ball. Yeah. <laughs> he's down on the ground and and so nobody mentioned it they didn't mention it in, in that in I that pulled, part of the call i pulled that trick scott a few hansen times on our radio mention, show yeah. yeah scott hansen didn't mention it you know but it was it was amon ra so um you know yeah. i want to see amon ra and pharaoh cooper on the same team <laughs> it would be like your all egyptian all-star team <laughs> we'll try and get that working as well as the glennon uh mccartney tip uh, so let's talk sunday night football next uh interesting game in the sense that it is um underlining a narrative that we've sensed for a few weeks now which is that the kansas city defense is playing much better than its offense is right now right i mean the yeah defense steps I, up I, I think i think that's pretty much true um again like i said you know, they had problems on fourth and short the one the one play that's it's the most obvious and therefore i think in nowadays kind of the least likely to succeed is to, is your best runner right up the gut um, unless your interior three is really is really dominating and 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 that wasn't happening and um, Kansas City looks very solid. I, I keep going back to Melvin Ingram who you know didn't yeah. show up a whole lot in the highlights, but the move of Chris Jones inside is huge for them. Um, Willie Gay and and um, and the rookie linebacker Belton are are both playing really well. And the secondary, you notice Daniel Sorensen made the big play of the game, but that was because they're not letting him be isolated on receivers anymore. He's, he's playing that kind of more strong safety into the box kind of role, which he's yeah. suited for, especially at this stage of his career. So that was great. I was very happy for him, you know, cause I've criticized not him personally. It, you know, it's a, it's a, thing a lot where of people do. You, you, you don't ask, you don't ask the guy to do what he, what he can't really do. Can't. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and the thing offensively with the chiefs in the first quarter, it looked like they were going to roll the game. You know, they were really running, running and passing well. Mm. Um, they got called for a bunch of penalties of, of the variety that are coming with the, the the switch to the college football style offenses. It, one thing in the NFL is that linemen are not allowed to block downfield. They have to stay within a yard of the line of scrimmage, where in college, I think it's three yards. Mm -hmm. You know, so the lineman can set up a screen, say. Um, and what we're getting to is a lot of receivers blocking before the ball's thrown. Um, and this, the rules all go back to the days when if an end came at you from the line of scrimmage, nine times out of 10, he was coming at you to block you, mm. not to uh, catch the ball. So you were allowed to hit him all the way down the field until the ball was in the air. Nowadays, <laughs> who knows? You know, right. You're allowed to hit the guy. If it, and <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it, I'm sure. But, but Sidney Jones, I mean, you know, if you're allowed to do that on on pass coverage, then you know why bother to have a rule? anything goes. You know, like the some of the announcers were saying in a couple of games, let you know, just let the players play. 
Yes. You know, let's make it like playground basketball. They call their own fouls and then argue, <laughs> argue about it for 20 minutes, you know? Um, and so you have like one referee who comes in and flips a coin between the two guys. Uh, you know, why bother have referees at all? It's bizarre. And, and, you know, the tenor of each week gets worse. Each week, like my worst call of the season <laughs> is a new one. And then it gets passed by the game. Like two games later, it gets passed. And Are you get it. Uh, maybe you should do an iron Mike's power rankings of the t- top 10 worst calls of the season. I think that oh, could be a Patreon uh, column. You could yeah, make. If my memory was any good, I probably would. You're going to get really wound up as well. Yeah, right. But you know, I thought that game was, it was one that Kansas City should have won more easily. Um, and Denver, Denver just had a lot of, a lot of problems with protecting Ken, uh, Teddy, um, and connecting and, and, you know, um, uh, that, there was a call, there was the call in that game for the, the crackback block on the interception. Um, which pick on the Sorensen pick wasn't the Sorensen pick. Um, cause it came back, but it was, it was the rule. It was, it was fine by the rule because the guy's blocking facing his own goal line and all, yeah. but the only way to not do that <laughs> would be to run around the guy. <laughs> who's pursuing your tackler and and at some point you know players have to at least be aware and and he had plenty of time to see the guy setting up for the block but he still got crunched Mm. um i I don't know i i I always have problems with that rule i did last week as well so let's talk about this bronco side just a little bit because they are in a season where it's far from clear as to where a lot of teams actually are right this is this bundled up pack of teams that Flatter to deceive, and one week you think they're the real deal, and then you're not so sure. You look at this Denver side, and I know they garnered quite a lot of attention coming into the season as maybe a sneaky inside rail kind of playoff team pick. Good defense. They had Cortland Sutton, Judy, really interesting players offensively. Javante Williams, who stepped up last night as well. Yeah, he's, you know, he's really good. They've got, I mean, they've got a lot of a lot of talent here, Mike. I know that everybody, or many people anyway, suggested that the weak link was Teddy, relatively speaking. Is that the problem? Is it, Do you think that they're not going to make the playoffs this year, you would think, but there's a lot of promise and they've they've got Sutton and, and co linked into some longer term deals. So there feels like there's a lot of upside with this Broncos side. What are they lacking that will get them over the line, do you think? But I, think I think the main thing is, is offensive line. Mm. Um, I think Teddy needs better protection, more, more protection. Um, he would be, he's, he's another kind of see it, throw it kind of quarterback. And I don't know how much is, is injury related. Cause you saw with the saints when it was all, his offense was all kind of programmed for him, but he was running be, he was playing behind a really good offensive line. Right. With, with Michael Thomas and, and some other good targets, you know, there, they mm. were able, they were able to, um, to uh, you know, go what five and zero oh when he yeah, started yeah yeah he was on beat uh, for them. So I think he's he's a competent starter, but he's another one of those guys that teams are always going to want to move on from at this mm. point. Um, I think had he not had that that horrible injury, that he probably would be better at this point than he is, um, and uh, w- would be a, a top flight starter. But it, it's almost like it, you you see him throwing, and he's almost placing the ball a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and his throwing motion to me looks more limited than, than it did uh, years ago, less, less overhand and more sort of snapping, snapping from the shoulder. I, but I don't know, you know, I can't t- say about that, but yeah, they'll move on. They'll try to move from on. Teddy. This, yeah, this I mean, but yeah. Drew Locke's not the answer, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, um, we love Drew Locke on the show. Mike Zimmer know. was over three on two point conversions. They lost that game by two points. You don't. Have, I know Dalvin Cook's not there, and I know Thielen's not there. But you don't have a play that can get you two points once one out of three. You know? back, back to Zimmer. Okay, let's yeah, put no, Zimmer. Just, it. Just popped into my head. We're, we're, yeah, I think he's suffering enough this morning. We got it. I want to stay on the West and talk Charges. Uh, an uh, impressive win over. over that was the in Bengals. Cincinnati. Uh, it no. was in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. On, yeah. on the road. So yeah, 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 it was impressive when, but I think it's more impressive than it looks. The big thing was that they, um, they held the Cincinnati running game, which all of us who picked Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My hands up. Thought, thought that, 
you know, Joe Mixon would have another field day against against well, the Chargers. And they, well, they were ranked dead last against yeah, the Rush. And they, they did a really good job of, of rallying, as they say, to the ball. But you look at the game and you can spot like three or four moments, which is true in lots of games. But, you know, Jamar Chase turning a touchdown into a yeah. an interception is is like the turning point of that game, because from that point, the Bengals were forced to become more one dimensional um, mm. and not rely on the um on, on the running game so much you know the, the best way to stop a great quarterback is to keep the ball away from him you know by by working the clock with your offense and the best way to stop a great running back is to take a lead on the team and put them into a situation where they have to think about pass, pass. was how much of that drop was i mean obviously it was on chase but was it unlucky was it one of those ones where you throw it because it was a, it was a great ball from from borrow you throw it you know, 10 times and he catches it nine times. Was it, or was there more to it than that? Was that, do you look at that and think that was, you know, when you see a receiver getting hit? Yeah. I think that was just bad luck. You know, Mm. I I think, I think he just, um, it just looked like from, from the stretch, he was probably thinking about tucking and running, um, you know, already onto the next thing and, and didn't didn't really have complete control like, Mm. like he thought he did. Um, and, you know, there were L.A. was up 24 nothing in that game mm-hmm. at one point. So Cincinnati got themselves right back in the game. And then you had that interception. That, um, and the borough injury, of course, as well. So it's come out that he's, he's, he was dislocated, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I said at one point to, to, that there was a, when he threw his first pass coming mm-hmm. back, it was it was over the middle, about eight, nine yards. Yeah. Something like that. And whoever the announcer was said, you know, well, he had juice on that one. Or I'm saying, what are you seeing? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like he was throwing Wobbly. a change up. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, and right. one of the ways you throw a change up is to take your finger off, you oh, know, your finger yeah. or fingers off the ball. When you, when you throw and that looks like that looked like exactly what he, did. he was throwing yeah. without one of his fingers. Yeah. 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 I, I couldn't agree more. That was crazy. Well, interesting thing on this with, with Joey Bosa missing for a lot of the game, this is an argument you've made a few times this season that sometimes when, a key player like that steps out. You see the supporting cast really lifting their game up to another level because of that. Is that what you felt happened with the Chargers in their pass rush? You know, that's a that's a good point. Um, and he was he was um, very active on the run game as well. It looked, you know, they they were they were bringing him down a lot to try to to try to slow the run game down. But yeah, I, I think that was. Um, a, a good a good point but there were a couple of other plays you know Guyton taking that touchdown out of Bates's hands basically. yes what a play yeah um was was a was a great one and and, and then of course Mixon had the fumble mm. and and that, that was the that was all she wrote so yeah I, I I wouldn't if I were Cincinnati I would I would be ruining the missed opportunity but it, it I don't think it was necessarily that you were outplayed mm. maybe you came out a bit flat and that's something that the coach needs to think about but but basically you had the usual it was one of those NFL games where you know three key turnovers mm. which were probably preventable you know or but you couldn't actually you couldn't actually figure on them like you never could. You just, just cost them that game. And, and they didn't, they made a great effort to come back from 20. They were, what was yeah. it? 24, nothing to 24, 24, 22. 22. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just two points in it. Um, interesting point on NFL.com. Uh, Chase Goodbread is the, is the writer. He makes a good point in the game recap on Jamar Chase and Burrow uh, and their lack of connection. I'm just trying to find it. Here we go. So next gen stats actually is the, uh, is, is the originator of this, but since week eight, they haven't connected on a deep pass. Now, is this because Chase is just getting double teamed out of most Partly. games? Yeah. I mean, teams are, teams are realizing he's, he's the threat they have to contain uh, yeah. on that team. Um, which is why T Higgins has stepped up. You know, they've, they've looked for, they've looked for T Higgins a lot. Um, yeah. I don't think there's some secret psychic, um, telepathy between <laughs> Chase and, and Burrow, particularly. I mean, mm. he, there is, there is. I know he wants to go there, and, and they trust each other. But yeah, I think that's the main thing: is that teams become aware of this, and you know, um, and uh, is 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 Jamar Chase is Jamar Chase uh, at the point now where you know he just regularly beats double teams, or you know, can mm. do it? Or and also, when you look at Zach Taylor's offense, it's not. It, it, you know, it's more of a controlled, it's it's more of a controlled kind of set mm, scheme passes out kind of thing rather than, you know, let the, guy, let the guys go one-on-one, set up one-on-one. Yeah, maybe you ought to talk with Mike McCarthy and, you know, 
run a lot of four jets just down the field. Just go for it. <laughs> but the, like it's a great point because there is, I guess, because of these big highlight reel plays, particularly early in the season with those two, there is a perception that this is a high octane freewheeling kind of offense. But you're, you're yeah, suggesting it's not. You know, it's, it's, it's mixing it's and the based. ground it's game. It's run yeah, based right. and play action based, really. Right. Um, yeah, but that's the red zonization of football. You know, mm. it's like we we judge we judge whole weeks, we judge teams, coaches, players, whole weeks by the highlights we see on on, on red zone, and and that's not you know it's what you don't see on red zone. You know, mm. well, you're always seeing like third down and twelve. Well, how did they get to third down and twelve? <laughs> you know? Sure, exactly. Oh, Craig Wallstock, Craig Wallstock called them twice for offside, an illegal formation, and that kind of stuff. Illegal formation. You've got formations where the tackle is two and a half yards off the line of scrimmage, but the receiver has to be right on it. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And it's right. like if the receiver lines up with the tackle, he's off. He's illegal for <laughs> He's formed illegally. <laughs> um, just staying with the, with the Western talking, the Raiders, uh, just cause I'm trying to unravel really where, where this division is going. I guess Kansas city will feel, uh, I mean, are they in the box seat for you now? Is that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, they're in the box seat. Let's watch tonight's game, but you know, mm. All of a sudden, Kansas City can be right in right in the mix for you know the best record in the in the AFC. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, if uh, New England right now are the top seed in the AFC, you know, figure that. But if Buffalo beat them, then Buffalo's eight and four, New England's eight and five, Kansas City's eight and four. You know. Yeah. Um, so which we're, team's we're, most deserving? Kind of, of the like normal one service resume. Exactly. We're back to back to where we thought we were going to be. But which team do you think deserves the the number one seed the most in the AFC? Oh God! At, at right now, <laughs> right now, I'm always worried when you begin an answer. Oh God! Yeah, ball, I mean, Baltimore's eight and four and shit yeah. one. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a, in a minute, I guess. Um, but right now, based on what they're doing, New England's on the on the win streak. You know, yeah. at eight and four. Now they haven't beaten the really good teams. That's why this game this game is such a is such a big one for them because yeah. they win on the road in Baltimore would sort of say, yeah, this team actually is for real. They can't just beat up on bad offenses and bad quarterbacks sure. and, and, and do that. The so, Chiefs have had a tougher schedule than... Oh, much tougher. Yeah. And they've got a much tougher schedule going in. Yeah. You know, this is what happens when you go to the Super Bowl and, and New England go seven and nine. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's the, that's the kind of one benefit you get. But, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to since the game hasn't been played, I don't want to go in. But, Fair enough. Yeah. You know, right. I thought last year was, was a great coaching job by Bill, Bill Belichick yeah. to get to seven and nine. I, and I think Agreed. this year, if Belichick isn't in the running for coach of the year, um, which he ought to be now, especially with Tennessee, you know, with all the injuries, if Mike Rabel keeps them in contention, yeah. uh, I mean, they could become the number one seed. After, at the after the weekend there's there's still eight and four i mean that's crazy the so yeah that's a great let's run on that tangent for a bit so coaches of the year shortlist so those two who else would you have in the frame um um i know that i know i have a third in, in my mind um and it's not it's not ron rivera um it's not, damn who's my is it an afc or the nfc Who's my third coach of the year candidate? Oh, um, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, Kingsbury. He's got to be in the obviously because his team's got the best record, and no one expected that. Um, a lot of coach of the year comes on expectation, which is why you know, sure, uh, guys like Andy Reid and Bill Belichick don't win it uh, regularly because the expectation yeah. is high. So all they're doing is meeting expectation rather than rather than passing it. But it's yeah, a great I mean, point. King, Kingsbury, you can question some of the things he does, but mm. you know. Um, Vance Joseph is right now my would be my assistant coach of the year for sure. I think he's done a fantastic job defensively, and that's that's really what's kept them and you know gotten them to nine and two. Yeah, um, because they're basically the same team offensively that they were, um, uh, but their defense is so much better. Uh, well, they're up to ten and two actually now with that with that ten and two yeah with that win. And let's talk about that because it, it brings us nicely into the performance, the return of Kyler Murray uh, and, and D Hop too, who who hooked up early on in that game. <laughs> Chicago yeah. were never at. What the is race. he, Mister Fantastic of the Fantastic Four? I mean, how far extended does your arm have to be? pushing off the defensive back before it's fully extended. <laughs> it sure. was out. He, he was holding the guy off two yards behind him and they didn't throw, they didn't even consider throwing a flag, you know? And um, how much does status come into that? Do you think gets in the lot. minds of, of the refs? Yeah. <laughs> but do they get, do they, 
because he's deep <laughs> upright and that they yeah. get scrambled. I'm sure. And it's and, just hand fighting. You know, let the guys hand. Fight. Oh, I heard that a few times on comms. We were doing the red zone show and thought, Mike, wherever you are, Mike, you are incandescent with rage when you hear the hand fighting line, yeah. but impressive in bringing this back to the Kingsbury point. I mean, dealing with adversity in the way that they have, what's Murray been at for four weeks, something like that a month. Or so. Yeah. I mean, and, you know what they go three and one with Colt McCoy. There you go. Um, I mean, that's, and uh, you know, we, which is good. I mean, he's, he went out and got a tight end, which you don't think about as being a huge part of his kind of offense, but yeah. Burks has been a big plus for them. Um, yeah. And Kyler Murray back. I mean, you can see, you can see what a difference it makes because the run, the running thread is so awesome that Murray um, um the play he scored the touchdown, literally pump faked a guy when he was 10 yards over the line of scrimmage. <laughs> it's like right. one of the parts of defensive coaching ought to be that your secondary knows that once he's crossed the line of scrimmage, he's not allowed he's, to throw the ball. Can't actually get away with that, but they're still, they're still bit on it anyway. And the defense, as you suggested, Mike, are playing really well. I think this is something with Arizona that because of, Murray and D-Hopper and the style of offense that they preside over, uh, that Murray presides over, it, the defense is underrated or certainly overlooked at times and not enough credit is given to it. No, so let's I, talk that's about abs- that. That's absolutely true. That's why I like Vance Joseph. You know, I think he ought to probably be in the running for another head coaching try. You um, might get, well, if they keep, based, if they go, based on that. Yeah. Well, game. who knows? I mean, you know, it's, you can't really predict, you can't really predict these things. And, um, but I think if a team, I mean, if they do, if they do push well, certainly to the Super Bowl, then those, all those coordinators are, are in yeah. vogue and are going to get, you know, there. and he's got the experience in, in Denver. And, and I don't think you could, I, I don't know if you call him a failure in Denver. I'm not sure if the, if the mm. problems were, you know, were down to him particularly, but you know, you put him in the right situation and, and he'll, he'll do well. Let's kind of break like Gar- kind of like Goddard Minshew. Goddard Minshew, yeah. Well, Goddard Goddard Minshew. Oh. The two of them are now joined at the him. Oh, I see. Dallas, Dallas, okay. Dallas Goddard, <laughs> Gardner, Minshew. They just start a law firm or a PI firm. <laughs> I, I, we'll talk about them in a minute. I just want to, on this Arizona. Red Zone showed more of him arriving at the stadium. Than they <laughs> well, did, why than they wouldn't did they? He looked amazing. Playing. That reminded me of, that was kind of 1982 Carlson, I think. <laughs> that look. Definitely not, the Tash. I, the wouldn't tash wear one of them, I wouldn't wear one of them jackets. with all The, the Air Force jackets. The, you the Air that? Force decals on the back. You wouldn't play that. I could see you in a kind of motorbike, motor, like kind of classic <laughs> speed bike jacket. Yeah. You know what my tattoo says? across my jazz is born too loose (laughs) (laughs) oh please send us a photo of that the uh, look cardinals defense just quickly let's i want you to break down yes Vance joseph great charter jones we hear all about because he is a sack machine uh had another one he's a he's a great defensive player you know yeah yeah yeah. he's one of those guys who's a complete defensive lineman, you know, beyond sacks. Yes. Know. That was kind of my point that we hear this in the highlight reel, your red zonification of, of life, that this is pretty much all we hear about the Arizona D. Chana Jones because he, because he lands sacks. So he's on the, on the highlight reels. Break down the rest of the defense quickly for us, Mike. Well, because- they use Jones, you know, Jones is used in a kind of hybrid role so that sometimes he's lined up as an end and sometimes he's lined up like a Steelers kind of outside backer. Mm. Um, so they, they, they're literally switching between odd and even fronts with the same guy, which is a, a great advantage against defenses. And, and um, you know, when they got J.J. Watt, it was mostly to, so that they wouldn't have to, you know, use him more up front, you know, and, and, and stop the, they're solid in the middle. They've got, you know, three man line they got the runs the big the big space eaters um zach allen's not bad on the on the other end and they've got um a a couple of other kind of useful rush guys and they've got isaiah simmons who's one of the single best defensive player i mean they got two of the single best defensive players maybe three with buddha baker yeah you know guys who are versatile who can you know who who give you that flexibility simmons Mm. can be anywhere in the lineup um, you know, Micah, um, Micah Parsons is basically the evolutionary Isaiah Simmons. He's, he's yeah. even bigger than Isaiah Simmons, um, but he, he can give you some of those same things. So, you know, those three guys give them they're, they're at each level, give them that that kind of um, flexibility. So the defense doesn't know what they're going to do. And mm. that's the biggest thing with defense. You saw with Washington when they had all they have all these top draft picks up front. You know, and and find they lost Chase Young, and they're a better team because mm. now they're mixing it up a bit more, and it's harder for defenses to predict what the, or for offenses to predict what they're going to do. And confusion right. is is kind of like your number one weapon against a quarterback because confusion makes him delay slightly, and delay means that you're 
average pass rusher becomes a better than average pass rusher, you know, that, and that's the big advantage they have. They're, they're deep as well. They've been able to survive some injuries. Uh, Murphy, I think is playing really well um, um, at core at corner. And uh, yeah, I, I just think that's the, that's the, the key to their game. They haven't really, they haven't really required AJ green or even D you know, to be the, the sort of future hall of fame receivers that they are. Um, and instead they've been able to get by Rondale Moore. I like, yeah. a lot. you know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's a perfect fit for what, for what they want to do. And like I said, the addition of Ertz actually helps them because tight end has been a dark, a dark hole for them, basically. Mm. Um, partly because Kingsbury doesn't really want to use a tight or need to use a tight end. Um, so, yeah, I, I just like, I like them a lot. And those are, those are three guys who could all be first team, all pros. Mm. I mean, they probably won't be, but they'll be pro bowlers for sure. Yeah. Won't be because they get the optics and it's not a vote. No, a well, because there's there's other guys. I mean, mm. you know, when when at the end of the year, when they always say um, that guys are robbed or or slighted or what, there's mm. a word for it. Overlooked. No, there's another. There is a single word um, um, for it. But you know, then you have to ask, well, who was chosen? Yeah. You know, and and there are there are some other good guys at those at those positions. But how know, much do, does status come as status of the team or that indeed the player come into it? So well, would team players off winning teams tend to get more attention? Um, big market teams and mm, cowboys. So if, you know, I mean, passes deserves cowboys it. are a big publicity team, big yeah. market team. Yeah, um, but you know the Giants, the Giants and Jets haven't really been overrepresented, although. we still give the jets front a lot of a lot of credit um and the la teams you know Mm. maybe maybe not but um jones jones will be in that in that mix uh simmons one thing that might happen is is because of the crazy fantasy fantasyization of the awards (laughs) okay i'll put that extra red certification yeah it's the same it's part of the same thing um the way they look at football you know they get guys who get votes for like a defensive end and an edge edge um, in on offense, you know, flex. It's like, that, yeah. that isn't a position, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you can have, you can have two defensive ends, two outside linebackers and vote, you know, make it a 12 team defense or even a 13 team defense. Cause most teams use three corners or three safeties as part of their ba- base nowadays, almost. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's like, but they they may get you know because they don't know where to put Chandler Jones. He may not. Oh, I see. So twelve or thirteen man defense. So they kind of yeah. get the extra roster yeah. spots on that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they pick two running backs, and no team in the NFL lines up with two running backs. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, let's talk. You mentioned the Ravens. Crazy into that game. It, it transpires that the reason. Harbaugh went for two as opposed to relying on Justin Tucker, singularly the most reliable kicker in, in, in the game to square things up and take it to overtime was because his secondary was banged up. This is what he said, Mike. He said, I didn't feel yeah, I, that we I, could. Well, you know, and, and people were saying he's the, they're the better team. Well, they didn't look like the better team in the fourth quarter. Mm. You know, offensively Pittsburgh was stymieing them. Uh, Pittsburgh's last drive for the point, the go ahead points, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything about it Deontay Johnson was running was running free um, yeah. specifically because of that corner shortage but I think Harbaugh basically and I have no problem with what he did we've had this discussion before um when Mike Vrabel went for two uh, at Wembley Stadium um yes in, in that game the choice is between ending the game there or going to overtime dealing with the flip stopping the team if they win the flip so that you can then score and win, or you might have to come down and just tie the game with a field goal. You know, you Mm. don't know. So, so say it's a 50, 50 shot. Now is a two point conversion. I think the 50, 50 rate on two point conversions is 60% or something like that. Uh, And with Lamar, that probably jumps to about 85%, right? And they called the right play. It was there. I mean, how are you going to argue that they shouldn't have gone for it when mm. if, if they execute just an, an inch better, they win the game. Great and, point. And, yeah. and put it out. And I argue against overtime. I, you know, I don't want to see overtime in the, in the regular season. I what would you have? A game's ended in a tie or? Yeah. Game ends in a tie. I mean, 
then they, you know, my friends in America say, "Oh, you're a European now. You, you know, you don't, you don't care about that." They can you know, tie. It's like cricket. Yeah, cricket five days and, and no one wins. You know, yeah. it's like foot soccer. You know, it's like every game's gonna be no. But but yeah. my, my point is, you don't need an overtime unless you're this kind of immature. I have to see somebody win sort mm. of person. And those same immature, I need to see somebody win kind of people are all screaming that Harbaugh went for the win. Yes. You, know, you can't have it both ways. I mean, yeah. the smart guys will argue that you have, even though the the next gen stats say you have a slightly better percentage winning, trying to go for, go for the two, then they'll say that no, realistically. But the, the bottom line is they are using a coach's mentality of coaches who play not to lose as opposed to win. And one of the mm. reasons I dislike overtime is that if you didn't have overtime, half a dozen times a year, you would get to see face-to-face which coaches want to win and which yeah. ones don't want to lose. Yeah. And a lot of coaches in that non-overtime situation would kick the extra point and settle for the tie. Yes. If yeah. that's if that's the way, you know, the, the way the league was set up. And I understand that's part of the reason why people hate it, you know, hate not having overtime is because they don't like the idea of settling for the tie. Yeah. But in my mind, if you're a bad team and you can tie a good team on the road, why not do it? You know? Yeah. Well, I think that context is key because you mentioned the, the Titans and Vrabel and that was very much their season, they won a realistic playoff team, right? It yeah. was, we need to try and get something going yeah, here. exactly. It's very different and from the Ravens. I think you said it. You know, his team will go in the locker room not feeling dejected because they lost. Yeah. Feeling, geez, we could have won that game, but yeah. coach, the coach has faith in us to to win. We've got to do more. Yeah, to do it. I think psychologically, it's, yeah. it sent a good message. That's why I like the Dan, that's why I like the Dan Campbell yeah. play. Mike. Yeah. Well, that's why I like the call for it. I know it's a terrible, terrible play dialed up, but that's why I like the fact he went for it on, on fourth yeah, down. And he was, I mean, I'm not saying he's, he was, I'm not actually trying to claim Dan Campbell's is a genius, but, um, but it worked out for them. They did have <laughs> sure. enough time yeah. to, to get down and get another But That's part score. of his thinking. That was part yeah. of his thinking when he did it. So, um, on, so on this, on the Ravens doing it, you're absolutely spot on because it, it was, because it was there. The play was there. The, the win was there for the taking and they, and they didn't execute it. How much of the thinking, I mean, he was going for the win, but when you're looking at the, the Ravens situation, right, compared to both the Lions and, and the Titans a couple of seasons back, both losing teams who had no shot of the playoffs and a realistic shot of the, of the playoffs, the Ravens in a different situation. So at what point do you start to think about that and think, well, actually, when I'm looking at seeding, I'm looking at the divisional race and battle of tie would suit me quite well we see that if we're, if we're bringing this back to football as in soccer mm-hmm. we see that in world cups we see it you know in in knockout tournaments when essentially teams are kind of both quite happy a tie will do us both yeah. both pretty well i think romo got onto that a little bit by mm. pointing out and ties are great tiebreakers right Pitts, pittsburgh could wind up sneaking into the playoffs because they have a tie instead of a loss yes exactly you know, they um and and that and there won't be any like you know strength of schedule kind of tiebreakers used um so yeah if baltimore right now were eight three and one they'd be sitting pretty um, right you know at, atop the uh atop the th- but I, I mean i hate praising harbaugh <laughs> because yeah there he was um when Duvernay went offside, I mean, I, I would love the NFL to start an investigation, you know, like a uh, offside gate investigation. Cause I, it was a deliberate offside, mm. you know, it was to save, it was to save the timeout. Um, and you, 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 you knew it, you know, and, 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 you know, so I, I would love for someone to just stick the microphone in Duvernay's face and say, okay, he told you to, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have Duvernay take like the fifth amendment or, or whatever, whatever they do. Um, the, the other interesting thing or the other highlight of that game was literally mm. justin tucker's onside kickoff yes oh i'm so glad you brought that up i absolutely it, it, it love was, that it was like that you know after screaming at the screen for five hours of uninterrupted commercially free uninterrupted football um that just made me feel so happy you know what bringing, the drag, beating, leg, yeah. bringing the yeah. drag leg and kicking it with the instep of his of his left of his left foot and it literally went nine and a half yards yeah, before it was a Steeler great, fell yeah, on it. So yeah. it would have gone 10 yards, you know, yeah. and, and they would have had the chance for the recovery. Um, it was, it was a piece of a small piece of brilliance. I, I agree. At the moment I saw that, I thought I bet Tucker's a really decent footballer. Like I want, I want to, I want to talk to cameo in my five. Yeah. Five team. Just, and then we would have seen him get a shot at like a 70 yard field goal for the win. Well, they flip it that way. We always see, Oh, football players can, you know, Clive Allen, of course, famously for the Monarchs back in the day, they can, uh, 
they could be kickers in the NFL. Let's get let's get Tucker and a few of the uh, former now former yeah, Jacks kicker. Josh Lambo was a, a good footballer. Yeah, the early place kickers were all soccer players, right? So then they started to move toward rugby players or uh, Aussie rules play. All the punters yeah. now are Aussie rules kickers, so. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because they they do such nice things controlling the ball uh, uh, on but, the Steelers. Uh, and the, the Roethlisberger yeah. news, Mike, which broke over the weekend, of course, that not exactly a surprise, I think, to, to most of us, but and it isn't official. He hasn't uh, come out, of course, and, and confirmed this. But ESPN reporting that he's told a number of the uh, of his teammates and other guys in the facility that this is his last season. He's going to hang him up a, 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 a shadow of, of his former self for for a lot of the season, right? Um, oh, so- yeah. Last two seasons, I mean, yeah, yeah, well, yes, that's that's fair. I mean, uh, yeah, his numbers were after the injury, his numbers of the season that he came back weren't horrendous, but this it feels like this year he's really really regressed. So, where do they go next? The Steelers, Mason Rudolph, presumably, isn't the answer. So, are they looking free agency? No, it's gonna they're gonna have to, I think. I mean, because you know, and they they could have moved on from Rudolph or Cobbs or, you know, the guys who they picked up over the years, which, which was a decent strategy. You know, Rudolph was second tier in, in the draft. Mm. Um, Dobbs was um, third tier, I suppose, but they, yeah. they could see some potential in him, which, which was clear. Um, you know, and then you try to bring them along while Ben's still in place. Now, if, if he retires, then you, you need someone who can step right in and, and that yeah. puts you pretty much in the free agent market. Um, funny how the first two names that popped into my head were Teddy and Tyrod, yeah, um, who, sure. who, who kind of look like the same guy in a way, um, in throwing motion and you know, and, and hesitation sometimes. And um, Tyrod's a better runner, um, mm. and and you might you might argue a more kind of intense kind of player, but they'll mm. you know, Jimmy G will be available, presumably. Oh, you um, think interesting yeah. thing in that game, too, and I think. Um, the whoever the announcer was in that one made the point. Um, if you're going to if you're going to try to RPO on fourth and one, why is Garoppolo yes. your quarterback? <laughs> yes, exactly. Of Trey Lance, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, which Lance? Where the hell is Lance? I mean, we haven't. Yeah, it, it was a great point made on, on on the comms, and that's exactly the kind of pinch hit spot he should. And, have and that game was the most frustrating of all because I mean, it's funny in Baltimore and Seattle, the, the penalty differential was ten. I think it was ten five in both games to the yeah. home team. Um, but San Francisco's penalty thing doesn't count the uncalled ones, which which were brutal. Um, Elijah Williams took a elbow to the head from Daryl Taylor, who was running past as he was being held up. He was he was tackled in a, in, mm. in, a, in a sense. This is the play where he fumbled, and and Wilson Taylor runs by and whacks him with the elbow right in the head, and, and that's when the ball yeah. pops out. No call. No one yeah. saw it, you know. Um, well, they got 10 a, called. I mean, so they could have been even worse than that. So 10 penalties. Well, yeah, but I mean, Seattle only had five. Yeah. And and Seattle was, you know, there was there was a, they had a play, they had a play call um, where where Wilson got, they got a, a borderline roughing the passer call on Wilson. On the next play, there was the most blatant hold going on right in front of Wilson as he threw the touchdown pass. So it's in the same the referee's eyesight, the same way that the roughing the passer was right. that went completely uncalled. Mm. Um, and then, as I said, at the beginning, Sidney Jones on that third and goal, you know, if you can wrap your arms yeah. around the player off the line of scrimmage and continue into the end zone with your arms wrapped around the player to the point where he's literally carrying you on his back. And that's not called pass interference. Oh, let the guys play. I love it. They're letting the yeah. guys play. Well, they're letting one guy play. <laughs> the other guy can't the play. Guy, His arms are wrapped up. And he's got a defensive yeah. back on his back. Yeah. You know, how's he supposed to play? Um, Where does this leave the 49ers season then this defeat? They're 500 tough. now after it. So Yeah, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, um, I still, you know, I still kind of like them. They're six and six and the Rams are eight and four. So that, yeah. that's a two game deficit they've got to make up yeah um without debo they didn't i don't think they adjusted very well and in fairness they played a very sloppy game made a lot of mistakes and a lot of their Mm. penalties were legitimate you know penalties that are going to get called they they really were just their offense was elijah mitchell and george kittle yeah jimmy g misses he misses plays um you know that's that's kind of the um thing and of course you know they were down a lot of defenders too mm. 
if they were at full strength, I would like them, I think, better than the Rams in, in, in a lot of ways. In the um, run-in, you mean? If, in if the they... run-in. But, but you know, mm. they're two games behind and they're not at full strength. Yeah, I mean, they're still uh, in a playoff spot at the moment. Uh, so they're in the seventh, the second wildcard yeah. spot. You've got just bubbling under the Eagles uh, with Minshew Mania in full effect. Uh, they are... Uh, uh, six and seven, the Vikings and below, you think are, are pretty much done now that, that group. Well, the Vikings and, and the, the Niners Falcons. are yeah. kind of the same story. I think, you know, they're, mm. they're, they're, they, one of them w- would squeak through um, and then one and done. It's yes. Playoffs, you know, we were getting into that the other day, Mike, I'm mean, keen to hear your thoughts on this. So the, the expansion of the playoffs, of course, creates this, uh, prolongs the interest for fans of those lackluster on the bubble <laughs> kind of teams like the Vikings, although maybe yeah. now after and that. And for fans of lackluster on the bubble <laughs> kind well, of this, game. This is kind of my point, right? That, uh, that it's certainly we've seen it in, over the years that the weakest teams that sneak a wild card, and it isn't always the case, but often you'll get a seven and nine, eight and eight divisional winner. And, and it's just a dry wild card game because you know, they don't have a chance and it's a blowout or just a a very one sided. You you do get the upsets. um, True. From six seeds. Um, You know, new England was the first team in 85 um, to go through the playoffs through, you know, as a wild card team, three road, three road wins in the playoffs and yeah. they got hammered by the, by the bears in the, in the Super Bowl. In that, in the, the Giants did it. Giants did it um, twice, you know, right? In, in 07. Yeah. Um, well, both 11 as well. They were on the road, I think a lot, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Um, and it's sometimes the team, you know, just hits its, hits its stride at the right time. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not as bad as their record indicated and, and they, they come alive late in the season and maybe they get a break from some of the teams they're playing um, are, are regressing, but um, yeah, it's a fair point. But if I you mean, look at what the- about you know W WTF is um, yeah is six is um, six and yeah, six, six seed. The AFC is interesting in so far as all the way down to the Dolphins who are thirteenth, uh, looking uh, with a bullet, as they say in the top forty. Um, uh, yes, exactly right. <laughs> I was just wondering why it goes 13th, 14th, 16th, and then uh, the Texans have been officially eliminated. That's why I was just scrabbling my mind again on a on a fuzzy Monday morning. But the Dolphins, yeah, on an absolute uh, absolute tear at the moment. So does does this prove that or support that the expansion was the right move? Because them, the Broncos, the Browns, the Raiders, the Colts, the Steelers—they're all in the mix for that. Well, it's still yeah, it's doing what the league wants it to do, which is yeah. to keep to keep more teams in play longer. Sure. That's, that's the main thing. Um, but you like, well, that. no, sorry. The main thing is to create extra, an extra game on television to get yes. more money, more money for um, that. But yeah. then the secondary thing is to te- keep more teams alive. More games relevant. Game. Yeah. The games so. are relevant to more than just draft status. Um, or but do you like that? Is it worth the payoff? Money. Is it worth the payoff though of, uh, of having maybe having a lackluster wildcard weekend or a couple of bad wildcard games? Is it worth it? There's something in my deep spine that, that dislikes seeing mediocrity rewarded. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, it's almost like it's almost like uh, Little League when they give every kid a trophy. Everyone gets something. <laughs> and, sure. yeah. although, you know, if you if you go to um, if you go to Houston Stadium, they've got the, the banner hanging up, you know, saying participant 2021. Season. <laughs> um, and. Uh, um, yeah the um but you know but it's doing it's doing what the league wants so so i think that that's going to make it look like a success and and i have no doubt that one of the six or seven seeds will have a bit of a playoff run yeah uh, because you know because i think the reality here too is that you don't have an overwhelming number of really good teams mm. you know it's quite possible that you know there's only one buy now um, right. And I, I've never quite liked the buy system because it's uneven and such. So I don't mind it being cut to just one team. But but, you know, you, you could you could have teams that are, I don't know, in the end, what, 11 and 11 and six, you know, way ahead of teams that are 10 and seven and not being really any better than them. Um, sure. Yeah. Know, so I, I, I think there'll be a, an un, a so-called unexpected playoff run from a team because a lot of the teams they're playing aren't really any better than they are. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's just catch them on, on the day, kind of like Chargers mm. in Cincinnati. It's kind of catch them on the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, God, a lot of games this season. And to, to your point, you look at in particular in that AFC chasing pack, the, I think the Colts, the Dolphins, 
maybe more than the others, are, are teams that you think, well, they could, you know, they could be timing it right. Certainly the, the Dolphins, yeah, Dolphins. the Dolphins defense is, is, you know, is where Brian Flores, I think, wanted it to be at the start of the season. And I keep mm. going back to Van Noy, you know, that it took them a while to figure out they couldn't replace Van Noy with one guy like mm. they thought they could, you know, and, and, and so it took him. Um, and, but offensively they've settled down now. The in- injury problems are more or less gone. They still don't run the ball very well, but, mm. but um, you know, two is, two is playing well. Yeah, um, he is. He know, is. He's, he's, he's throwing the ball. Well, they're not using the deep ball hardly at all. Um, you know, they're, they're giving him designed reads and he's hitting the guys with regularity, accurate, accurate. It's a good receiving core, actually, with, you know, yeah. putting Gasicki in there, right? With Waddle's yeah. oh. really emerged. Parker's obviously solid. So that's, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting I mean, they'll, they'll kill you across the field, you know, um, in the yeah. same way that, that kind of like um, San Francisco and, and uh, the Chiefs yep. can kill you on, on, Slice on and dice. without yeah. necessarily having to, if they had a guy who, who was a real take the top off the offense kind of threat deep, it would be even better, but a yeah. defense, I mean, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I think they're solid and they've done something very few teams have done, which is, you know, to win five in a row after you start one and seven, that's, it's a yeah. pretty good accomplish, a pretty good accomplishment. And, you know, I thought they should have won in London, but, you know, look at the, look at the two teams since London and the directions that they've taken. Right. Um, and I, someone was criticizing Flores along with all other new England alumni coaches. Uh, and and yeah, Rabel yeah. obviously is the exception that stands out and he never coached for Belichick. So, right. so they were eliminating him. But I think Flores is the other exception that really stands out to me mm. um, because they dealt with some adversity this year. They did well last year and everybody thought they would do better, but they had to make some moves that made it difficult for them to get better immediately. Mm. But they've continued, they've coached and coached and they're now, you know, I think they're now what we thought they might be in the at the beginning of the season, which yeah. was potentially the second place team in that division. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they might well wind up, you know, being close to that. Um, because again, and also, you know, they've got the, they play any division with the jets. <laughs> there's always that, there's always that present around the corner, kind of like the Rams. I, that's what I was doing in my, in my, um, <laughs> my picking column. You know, it was, it was like, uh, be grateful for, small gifts week (laughs) you know how do you end a three-game losing streak (laughs) you know make the jags fly to los angeles exactly (laughs) and play you and play you there it's a great point on the fins and i wonder if yeah the ground game if they're rue the fact they don't have something because gaskin's okay but if you can imagine maybe adrian peterson will end up in miami for the playoffs (laughs) (laughs) well you know look at look at the look at the way uh the ravens say have you know rebuilt their running yeah. game to an yeah. extent, you know, with guys that they picked up off the street. Basically. Yeah, yeah. As I said a few weeks ago, your 2018 fantasy running group. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah. But you know, that's running backs are available. Um, you know, yeah. and, and um, God, James Robinson's going to be available. Cause you can see that, that Urban Meyer doesn't like. Doesn't it. like it. Well, is Urban Meyer going to be there to make that? Well, call? that's the thing. Urban Meyer's available too. <laughs> yeah, as far, as far as I, can say. I think Oklahoma State might be. A, yeah. You know, um, it, Mike, I want to get back there to get back I wanna, to college. I want to wrap on the Joe Brady firing. Uh, oh, speaking of that, yeah. I mean, I yeah, think that's I mean, a bit unfair. I mean, you don't know yeah. what goes on inside the inside the facility and all. True, but they've they've labored without christian mccaffrey you know you build a team around your star player basically and he dealt with sam donald and then mccaffrey i mean now you know what that says to me is that it was brady's call mm. to get sam darnold brady told someone whether it's the coach or the gm i can make i can make him into a decent quarterback okay and maybe somebody said that's sam darnold and, you know, sure? and, and he said, okay, well, fire me if I don't, <laughs> you know, I, that to me, I'm, and I'm obviously I'm making, I'm making light of it, but I, that but it's to not me makes sense. It's the most likely yeah. scenario. I mean, well, is you it also expect that team to win without McCaffrey and with Cam at quarterback or, or no, sure. well, right. a quarterback, you know, and PJ Walker, I doubt was Brady's call because mm. he's a Matt rule guy from college. Well, speaking of Matt rule, is that the other logic? 
that we've seen it many a time. I mean, uh, Doug Marone got away with this for for years, right? In the <laughs> yeah. Jags. Is it, yeah. is it, you know, throwing at the coordinator Those under London the bus? Monarchs guys yeah. are all still coaching. The ones <laughs> yeah. that are coached, George Warhop, Danny Crossman, Doug, Doug Marone, they're all still Marone. coaching. But, you know, um, I remember Nathaniel Hackett was a full guy amongst, I mean, every year there would be a coordinator that got. Yeah. And, and I mean, lost. after their first year, everybody, you know, Joe Brady was the golden boy. Sure. Um, you know, he was going, he was going to be, um, go somewhere else and be, you know, be a top offensive coordinator. He was a head coaching candidate for a couple yeah. of times at that point. Yeah. Um, and I think he still might be in a mix, maybe not for a head job, but for someone else's coordinating job. He's only 32. And now Phil Snow is the hot guy because their defense has played well. Right, um, right. You know, and kept them in games that they probably didn't have any business business being in. So, yeah, I think rules safe for another year, probably. Does Brady um, go to, to college or go stick in the pros and take, if he's offered, of course, another game? If I were Brady, I'd be looking at colleges. Mm. Uh, I don't know how he is vis-a-vis recruiting, but he certainly did a great job at LSU. Um, mm. Not recruiting, but coaching. You know, they're, sure. they're, Ed, Ed Orgeron is one of the legendary great recruiters um, in college football. So, I mean, I can see a lot of colleges offering him an offensive coordinator job, mm. um, but there probably would be a, a head job somewhere along the line. Um, be interesting to see what happens with Luke Fickle too, um, mm. who unusually among the, the guys who have to do the best for their family. Um, Luke Fickle must be incredibly naive. <laughs> you know, where the best for your family means you take a job that pays you a few million more and your family moves to across the country, yeah. put the kids in different schools, different schools, that. leave your friends you behind what's yeah. best for them. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, fickle, we'll see what happens after they play Alabama. Uh, but he stayed with Cincinnati and got in, got the team into the final four. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said once uh, the only places he would consider were Notre Dame, but Notre Dame bowed to pressure, you know, not to keep the job open because the team has another game to play. And, and uh, they, they were afraid they would lose their uh, Freeman, their defensive coordinator, if they made him interim coach, but not, not head coach. They hired him. Mm. So that game and Ohio state is where fickle played and coached for a long time. So he would go back to Ohio state, but that job is not going to be open. So, um, you know, the problem when you're coaching a team like Cincinnati is it's a once in a lifetime thing for your team to get into right. the final four. You've got to go undefeated. Even then you're the fourth of the fourth seeds. You know, they, um, if they hadn't beaten Notre Dame head to head, I, w- I wouldn't have been surprised if they tried to put Notre Dame in ahead of them in the fourth seed. Sure. You know, those sure. college football guys think money first and because that's right. what everybody thinks. Um, so why should, you know, I, I wrote in, the, in this, my Patreon column, um, if I were a, co- a high school star, and, you know, a lot of them are going with the coaches who've changed, you know, Lincoln Riley's recruits and some of the guys he'd already signed at Oklahoma are already transferring in the free agency portal um, of college football. But, you know, if if he comes in and wants to, and there was a great story about Brian Kelly recruiting a kid in Washington state. Mm. And literally he got a phone call and was on the call negotiating the terms for his LSU deal, <laughs> hung up and sat down for dinner with the family and kept trying to sell the kid. Unreal. I'm going to Notre Dame yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. without saying, I think without saying, you know, look, I'm leaving, but it's a great school. You'll really yeah. well there, you know? and, <laughs> I'm not going to be that, but it's a great yeah. school. But, but, you know, if I were a kid, I would almost want to go play for the coach who's going to walk out on the team when he gets a better offer, because then I can walk out on the team <laughs> after three years with no regrets, you know? And, and I think the NCAA is going to have to look at that three year rule mm. um, because I, I heard Andrew Brandt making a really good argument um, that, and he used to be a G uh, you know, a GM and, Front and office an guy, agent, yeah. agent now. And um, you look at running backs in the NFL and a lot of them have wasted their careers on college Mm. because the wear and tear in college, the wear and tear in college, they carry the ball 300 times. Yeah, they do. And they come in the league and they they're great at first. And then, you know, the nagging. So they're done at like 26, 27. Sure. Instead of maybe at 30, if they'd only had one year and and they're like high school basketball players. I was going to say, right. right. We call it skill position, but it's a, it's a, it's more of a natural skill. Yeah. the, The learning curve on running backs in the NFL is, is purely the pass game learning mm-hmm. to pass block and sometimes mm-hmm. to be a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but the running thing is almost a natural, you know, that ability to see holes, to be able yeah, to burst cut. through them and all, they don't need three years of college really. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. Is, is the reality, um, you know, 
but that, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. No, no, and that's one more really... thing. Just quickly. Yeah. Claude Humphrey died. Great defensive end for the Atlanta Falcons. I almost brought it in when you were talking about guys making all pro teams off bad teams. Mm. You know, he played primarily on pretty bad teams, but you remember the grits blitz defense in Atlanta. Nice. He was the center of that, you know, and, and he got in the hall of fame from the veterans committee eventually. Um, but a real beast of a defensive lineman uh, just, just died um, a couple of days ago. And, and, you know, just wanted to give him a little shout out because he was yeah. a good player. Well, fair play raising, raising a glass to him. Brilliant stuff. I and Mike as ever at Carlton sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, F M T E uh, to read his stylings and profilings uh, each and every week. Uh, <laughs> Woo! What are you working on this week, Mike? Have you thought about the column? Uh, no, I, I've got to get off the rant. <laughs> Off the rant, less rants. Got to get off the rant. Fewer rants and more analysis of, of teams. I think will be the thing. Uh, That's your um, note. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of burned myself out on college football, at least uh, for, for the week. Uh, it was a really long piece, and I never got into the recruits staying with the guys. So we'll see. Mm. Oh, we'll that's see a, how that goes. I should. I think you should run with that. I like that. Uh, brilliant stuff, Mike. A look after yourself. We'll see you next week. You too. Have a good week. Fantastic stuff as ever. What else would you expect from the big man? He'll be back next week. You can count on that. We're going to be back later on this week. Uh, we've got Edge Rush. We've got College Days. We've got a preview show. We have got it all coming your way right here on the NC Show. So if you haven't already subscribed to us on whichever pod platform you listen, if you have 30 seconds a minute and you can hop on to the pod platform that you check us out on and leave a review, that really, really would be appreciated because it helps us algorithmically, whatever the hell that means, it helps us spread the word. It helps us with our sponsors, all of that good stuff. So if you have time and you like the show, uh, we would really appreciate that. Uh, and indeed, if you want to hop on to the social channels at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you'll pick up a lot of extra stuff on there as well. Videos from the show. Uh, you might even see what Iron Mike has got in his background if you go and do that. So go and follow us uh, on social at the NC show. Brilliant stuff. We'll be back uh, Wednesday for college days. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.